This is episode number 275, Authenticity and Managing Pressure with pro cyclist Sarah Sturm. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. I know progress, not perfection. We hear these things, but it's so hard to like actually embody that sometimes because you just want to do well all the time and be the best. It's not even about crossing the finish line. It's proving it to myself sometimes, if that makes sense. I'm not very good at actually looking back and being proud of some of the stuff that I've accomplished. Happy Thanksgiving to all of my American friends. I really miss celebrating Thanksgiving in the States with family. Canada has their Thanksgiving in October, so it's always really weird for me to be celebrating Thanksgiving in October. We were hoping to have a Thanksgiving celebration for our American friends at our house this weekend, but basically everybody around me has been sick over the last past couple of weeks. I'm hoping that I don't get it, but my husband's had the flu, and before that he had a cold, and Bradley had a cold, and our childcare person got a cold. So yeah, we ended up canceling our Thanksgiving at our house this weekend because we don't want anybody to get sick. And hopefully I can stay strong and continue not to get sick. Pregnancy is still going really well. I am at 24 weeks pregnant, which it seems like it's gone by faster this time, but it also feels like it's been forever since I've been pregnant. It's kind of weird. But I think it's because some days I actually just forget that I'm pregnant this time. And this is in trimester two. Trimester one, I certainly didn't feel that way (laughs) at all. But the second trimester has been really nice. And last time I was pregnant with Bradley, I don't remember having this kind of energy in trimester two. So I'm rolling with it. I'm excited about it every single day, taking it one day at a time and hoping and optimistic that things are going to continue to be great. I'm buzzing off the weekend. I went to the Planted Expo in Vancouver, which is the largest plant-based expo slash convention in Canada. And I was invited to do a keynote there. So I did a talk about curiosity and how you can use curiosity to make positive changes in your life and how you can turn curiosity into courage and then eventually taking action on the things that you've always wanted to do. I think it's going to be available. I think they took a video of it. So if you're subscribed to my newsletter at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter, I'll be sharing it there whenever it comes out. And I also share an article every single Monday about mindset, motivation, and behavioral sciences. So if you want to check that out, go to sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. I spend a lot of time writing and researching that topic every single week, and I'm really excited for everybody who is getting value out of that. And speaking of health, speaking of performance... Have you guys checked out Inside Tracker? I'm sure that if you've listened to this podcast or any other podcast, you probably have heard of them. And they're a company that I've been using since 2017. They have the cutting edge science on blood work. So basically what happens is you can either have somebody go to your house or go to many hundreds of labs in the US and get your blood drawn. And they measure over 35 biomarkers to help you optimize your health and performance. And on their website, you can pick what your goals are. So if your goal is better endurance, if your goal is better sleep, if your goal is better heart health, there are many different goals that you can select. And then it optimizes the reference ranges for all of these different biomarkers so you can be at your best. And they use an algorithm and the most cutting edge research to recommend lifestyle changes, dietary changes, things you can do in your life to help optimize these biomarkers. You get a lot more information from this than just going to your doctor and getting blood work done. 
And the reference ranges are different than the reference ranges you would do if you were to go to your doctor because those are just to kind of keep you alive and these are to help you thrive. They've also been a great check and a great confidence booster for me with my plant-based diet that I've been eating since 2013 and I've always been really impressed and really happy with most of my numbers. So if you want to give it a try to go to insidetracker.com slash Sonia to get 25% off all of their tests. And I know they have a Black Friday deal coming out as well. I don't know exactly what that deal is. But if you want to support the show, go to insidetracker.com slash Sonia and give it a try. Let your friends give it a try. I think it's worth doing at least twice. So let's get into today's guest, Sarah Sturm. Sarah Sturm is a cyclist who can't be grouped into a specific category of cycling. If you know her or you know of her, you probably have seen her large, happy smile and her infectious laugh. And although you might know her vibrant personality and speedy results from gravel, she is a two-time single-speed cyclocross national champion. I believe she's also a short track national champion, a podium finisher at Leadville 100 mountain bike race this year, has multiple high-profile gravel accolades, including ones at the Belgian Waffle Ride, Steamboat Gravel, Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder, the Rift in Iceland, and so much more. And she's done a sizable amount of road racing and cross-country mountain bike races. And she also has done a lot of bike packing adventures for fun. Oh yeah, and let's not forget to mention that Sarah and I met at the TransBC Enduro Stage Race. We were both in shock and in way over our heads, but we got to meet there. So Sarah does lots of different things. She has done everything when it comes to two wheels. And her spirit for adventure, connection, and fun has taken her down so many different trails, roads, and paths. In addition to all the time that Sarah spends in the saddle and her professional commitments, she also coaches the Young Riders Program in Durango, Colorado, called the Devo Program, and also at Fort Lewis College. And she has a successful graphic design business. The business is called Oso Creative, and Sarah isn't only inspiring a new generation of riders, but she's also inspiring all the fellow racers lining up next to her. Sarah's trajectory as a cyclist hasn't always been easy. Early on, she found that she wasn't having any fun racing her bike, and after a hiatus of a few years, she came back to it with a newfound sense of joy and perspective. In this episode, you'll immediately feel her ability to connect with just about anyone and her positivity. We talked about a number of important topics like the pressure of professional athletics, committing to progress, not perfection, but how hard that can actually be in real life. We talked about the challenges of being a female athlete, how to have a good relationship on social media, and she's somebody who is definitely in the limelight right now, so has some really good tips on that. We talked about our own jealousies and insecurities, personal worth, and so much more. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe as it helps the show reach others so that they can benefit from it as well. Sharing the show with your friends is the best way to help this podcast continue to grow. There's a lot of podcasts out there these days, so I really appreciate you. I appreciate your attention, and I'm really excited to get into today's episode. So here is Sarah. It's so much fun to talk to you, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we figured out both of our crazy schedules. I know. So I was just thinking about this. The last time I saw you in person was actually at the Trans BC Enduro stage race. (laughs) I don't know if we had met when we both lived in Albuquerque, but like we both grew up in Albuquerque. Totally. We both moved to Colorado and got into cycling. Like I think you got in through collegiate cycling Mm -hmm. and we both are 
almost like a little bit unconventional with how we approach things. And we also like racing in bad weather. So like, we're kind of like soul sisters on some strange level here. <laughs> no, you know what? I totally forgot about the Albuquerque connection as well, which I know, the is Berkey. so unique. I feel like there's, it's like you, me, and then Nina Baum was in Albuquerque. Yep. And she was like, she was like the first pro female bike racer I remember meeting like when I was me too a senior <laughs> shout out to Nina <laughs> yeah Nina yeah she was like at the very first race I ever went to and she's the one who like introduced me to come I was because I was like a junior at UNM and she invited me to like come ride with the cycling team and oh, so you she went to was UNM. like yeah so she was like my mentor and she got me into cycling and yeah then I moved to Colorado and went to see you but yeah <laughs> oh my God. I did not know that you went to UNM. That's funny. I used to live in like the Knob Hill area. Oh, nice. Right For all the Albuquerque people listening, we see you. <laughs> I know. I feel like, ah, oh, man. Well, I'm still pretty close to Albuquerque. We're only like three hours away. Yeah. Actually, Durango was a place that was, it, it still is a place like, well, you know, I could live in Durango someday. Oh my God. Uh, when I was here. thinking about leaving Boulder, I was actually looking for a job at the college to teach engineering and math. Cause I did my master's in that. And you, at that, at, at Fort Lewis, you can teach with a master's. So I was yep. actually, that was like one of my plans was to like move to Durango and be a teacher. Uh, Durango is so awesome. There's like so many amazing cyclists here. I do feel like I've noticed this like change. Well, now that I'm in like my early thirties, I like, there's a huge gap from like, I ride with all the like college kids because like I'll coach sometimes like the Devo kids, but there's like a lot of my friends move away because it's just such a hard place to like find jobs, yeah. which is tough. Yeah. So I ride sure. with a lot of dudes. Yeah. Well, it seems like, um, we're, we're, I'm kind of jumping around already, but yeah. <laughs> it seems like you have some really amazing connections and relationships with other women, um, yeah. especially like through the gravel, like I haven't done any gravel racing, but it just seems like the community of women is so incredibly, um, empowering and supportive of one another. And it's so cool to see that. Yeah, it is. It's so cool. Like I remember when I was in college, like I definitely was like a little more naturally talented for road cycling, but then I always felt like I got along with like the mountain bikers a lot better. And like, they were all my friends and camping and, you know, whatever. And then, you know, cyclocross was always kind of like the, you know, mix of those two. Like I was pretty decent at cross. So then I when gravel like came about, I was like, oh man, this is like a beautiful combination of like endurance. And like, you don't have to be like, so gnarly. I mean, I don't know. We, we touched on the fact that we met at, or like we saw each other in person at the trans BC enduro one of the years. And like, <laughs> the reason That's I pretty gnarly. Up, he's so gnarly. I mean, I remember every like you were super nice. At, like there's like one of the thousands of like terrifying features at least for me to ride that you were like all the ladies kind of banded together and they're like okay I think this is a lot like we were all like kind of looking at it it was like one of the first days too and I was like what did I just get myself into and that was obviously not for I was not competitive for that. <laughs> oh, that was just that was like that's probably the craziest race I've ever in terms of like technicality. Like I had never that's ridden anything like that in the past. Like so I had never even ridden a trail a trail bike until that year. Like I didn't even know. Yeah. Like I was wearing knee pads that were falling off because I just was like, <laughs> yeah, like 
Enduro, that's cool. I'll just give it a try. Just probably oh like most God. of us. Over there. I feel like we hopped into like every time I tell people that I, I've done like I've done that race two years twice. Oh, two years. Yeah, which let me tell you, like, I mean, that was actually like a really important shift. I'll get to that. But like I did those races and then I lived in New Zealand for a summer. And because I was there, I was like, I'll sign up for the EWS. Let me tell you, I had no business because that was the one race that I'm like. I didn't need to do that one. I'm pretty sure I got last, but not that that matters, but it was just like really scary. And like, I think I rode like maybe 20%. (laughs) Like the rest, I was just like slipping and sliding around running next to my bike. But yeah, the Trans BC series, it was like, I, one of the years I just signed with Specialized for a cyclocross season and I was already signed up for it. So I was like, can you guys send me a bike? And they were like, sure <laughs> here's a full face too <laughs> yeah. you probably want the full face. Yeah. I remember there's like this blind I mean all of it's blind right and there's this like gap jump like step up at the end of like one of the last stages and I was so scared and they had shut um the go around down um because someone got super injured on the go around and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I had to get, I was so scared that I like got off my bike and ran around it and it was mortifying. And I finished that and I was just like, could feel like the tears, like filling my goggles. And I just felt like such Aww. a failure. And I was like, I should call specialized and tell them that they shouldn't sign me. And I was just like having a pity party. And then I decided that I could either like pull it together and like, be last and probably one of the slower ones because it's out of my wheelhouse and have fun and like make some friends or it could be last and have like a shitty attitude the whole time and like try to convince myself and other people how bad I am at mountain biking and like and I feel like that was like a really important shift at the beginning of my like pro career of like just accepting that there's some stuff that you're like not going to be the best at and that was certainly it for me. Yeah, that's such an important lesson for everybody listening because you could be a pro mountain biker cyclist signing with specialized and Mm -hmm. there's still going to be stuff where you have to hop off your bike. I do the same, like I still have to walk my bike on stuff sometimes in the middle of a race. And we're so hard on ourselves because we expect that like, okay, like I'm a pro, so I should, I should be able to do everything and do everything at a really high level. Yeah. And that's just not the case, but it's just hard because you have these expectations that you should be there, but it sounds like you had like so much awareness around what was happening in that moment and that you were able to say like, Hey, I have a choice here. Like I could be miserable or I could choose to make the best of this and, and to give myself a break and to have a good time. And that's what you did. Yeah. Oh man. I'm going to try That's Yeah. I'm going to try and remember that. I had kind of a uh, gnarly weekend this weekend too, with like, there's just, you don't ever get a break, you know, like it's just part of being a human. And like, if your job is professional athletics, then you deal with, you know, all the components that are involved with that, you know, you can't be perfect all the time. And I think I'm sure like you've dealt with that because we have that athlete archetype of like driven and like motivated and the Enneagram, I heard you say, I think it was on Payson's podcast or the same like Enneagram three. Oh my seven. God. Are you the <laughs> yeah. three and a seven? Yeah. <laughs> Has your husband taken it? Do you know what he is? No, he doesn't like that kind of stuff. He's like, don't put me in a box. <laughs> Dylan is a five, like for sure. Yeah. Like the investigator, like pretty much like the opposite of me. Like 
will do one task like super well, which is why we are in each other's lives because <laughs> we're really different. But yeah, it's been interesting like learning about that. And like this last weekend was like, I realized really hard on myself. I realized it was the first time I've raced cross really like not just our local series in over a year since the pandemic. Cause I didn't do any cross races during the pandemic. And I had this 18 year old who's so fast, hot on my heels and the heckles were savage. I mean, people were like, I mean, it was pretty funny, but like, at the same time, I was like, man, I'm just trying to like get in shape here. Like, this is kind of like mentally tough for me, you know, to go from like doing 180 mile gravel race to like an all out cyclocross race. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I forget that. I like, I learned that lesson the first year I did gravel. Sorry. I also just realized I totally didn't talk about the topic of like the women's camaraderie of gravel. <laughs> That's right. We're going to loop it all together, but let's, okay. let's focus on the perfectionism piece. Like yeah, the, no, for, I think for people who is... haven't heard of Enneagram as well, like the, there's like all, there's all these different like tendencies that people have and like a three is an achiever. So if you guys want to check that out, check it out. But yeah. So de- feelings of perfectionism uh, and pressure at the professional level. Yeah. And I think you forget that, like, at least I do. I know progress, not perfection. We hear these things, but like, it's so hard to like actually embody that sometimes because you just want to do well all the time and be the best. It's not even like about crossing the finish line. It's proving it to myself sometimes, if that makes sense. I'm not very good at actually looking back and being proud of some of the stuff that I've accomplished. I'm I'm just like, oh man, I'm really sucking at cross this year. What am I thinking doing, you know, cross nationals? Because I love like, and it's hard. Like I talked to my therapist about this and I'm sure she's like, why are you going to cross nationals? But I'm like, I have to show that that's like still a part of me, but then it's like really hard to like be a competitive ultra endurance athlete and then do a 45 to 50 minute VO2 max effort. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really hard to do both. I think you did quite well in the race. So did, is that, didn't, didn't you win the race? I won one of the days and then I got second, but it, it just, you know, it's all like whatever your perspective is in your head. Yeah. You know, I mean, you mind, like, I, should have I, I think better. this is an, <laughs> I, well, I think this is an important point though, that you can be winning a race and still be having these thoughts. Oh Yeah. Oh, and like, let's talk about hormones too. Because you're talking to a pregnant person. I know. I am so, I really, okay. Honestly, I was thinking about this on my drive home last night. I was like, I really wanted to ask you about this because obviously, like, dealing with like your period and your hormones as a pro athlete is like a huge, huge deal. I have an IED, and even still, like, the hormone fluctuation around like when I'm supposed to be having a period is like, a mental thing. Like I can tell in my head, I'm like, this is not a rational thought. <laughs> but it, like, I was texting one of my girlfriends today and I was like, I feel like a troll. Like, I feel like I sucked this last weekend and like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, and I know I'm hormonal, but like, it doesn't help. And I cannot even imagine being pregnant. It actually makes me really scared. <laughs> for when I get pregnant. <laughs> Well, some things that I heard that you did to deal with that is like you talked to a friend and you had some you <sighs> support and people around you. And then you also acknowledged like 
okay, like this isn't really my norm right now. Like I feel like a troll and I'm a little, maybe I'm a little bit like grumpy or blowing things out of proportion. And even just for me, like just naming that. Yeah. I've been feeling a little bit weird lately and just weird. Uh, and just being like, Hey, like, I feel like something's wrong or I feel grumpy or I'm, I'm testy. Yeah. That's not me. That's, that's the hormones and that's yeah. okay. And it's going to pass. And then telling my husband about it, just like what you did and listening support and totally. somebody else and just saying like, Hey, and yeah, thanks for bringing up hormones because I think it's become a lot bigger part of the conversation and female yes. cycling has been that like a lot of things in female cycling have become a lot bigger part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hormones can affect your perception of your effort out there, your perception of like, do I even belong here? Like, it's just, it's amazing oh, how much think about hormones that. affect that. Yeah. Every time I try to explain it to like my male counterparts, it's like the world in front of you doesn't change. And you know that there's something in your brain, it like puts this veil over everything. And it just makes every everything feel like so much more especially mm-hmm. if it's something negative, you're like more critical and you're more like your self-awareness that, that really happens with me. Like I know, and this is like a weird, I don't know if like other women go through this. I'm sure they do. This is why I was excited to talk to you about it. I'm sure like we have all started a race or like seen photos from a race and you're just like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think most people listening, if you've ever seen a photo of yourself, you've thought something, you know, or, and I don't think there's any way to ever really get rid of, or I think we're speaking to body image or, you know, perception of what we should look like or comparison. And like, that's just part of being a human, but it's Mm -hmm. like being aware of it and then just working on the perspective changes to be like, yeah, I don't know. What do you do? Man, sometimes I just have to suffer through it, honestly. And like, so accept just, it. yeah, accepting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always reach out, like I'm super close with my sister and my mom, but they don't get the like pro athlete component. So like, I feel like I kind of rely on both. It's not that that means that they can't like relate at all. Cause that's not true. Like, I feel like that is a bond and we'll get, here's the like full circle part of it. Right. I feel like every single woman who has like towed the line or done something hard or challenging and has also had (laughs) hormones or, you know, bad PMS. Like it's a big point of connection. I think, you know, we're all so self-critical and and judgmental, like every single female. And like, sometimes I think that that comes out in cattiness, you know, that women always get like pinned with in, especially like athletics and professional athletics but really I think it's just this really beautiful like point of connection like I always feel like way more like emotional in like a good way (laughs) when I like see all the other women out there like especially like these like long endurance races or like I you know pre I was like warming up on the road and this like woman who's like a mom of two teenagers she was like in the race with me as well and we just talked about like I don't know just you know all the like normal, like funny things about like cyclocross. And I was like, you know, she was saying like, she didn't feel like she belonged there. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like the coolest thing. Like do your kids know how rad you are that their mom does cyclocross, like that you can even like race a bike, start, like get on an, like it, it just like, there's this mutual, I don't know, respect. I think when you're out there with like a bunch of 
of women and like with gravel racing obviously it's like men and women start together and for me that makes it even more special when I get to race with women and like next to other women like Leadville was really cool this year because it was really dynamic racing just with the top females which I don't usually get a lot of because gravel racing is crazy. Yeah. Endurance <laughs> races. Like I do lots of ultra endurance mountain bike races, like right. under mountain bike race or like stage racing. And you yeah. are out there by yourself all the time, or you're out there like with guys. And it is like some of my favorite days I can remember racing is like when I'm to like I'm head to head with another woman. And that's so much fun. Oh, it is. It's cool. And like now I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but kind of that, like, I remember racing road just out of college, like I was on like a collegiate all-star road team. Like they let us like go experience some like pro road racing. And I was like, this is super intense. (laughs) Like the pro, the top level is, I feel like it's almost like more supportive. And like, once you get through that, like mid pack, that mid pack, that kind of gnarly with ladies sometimes, especially like road racing, which is kind of why I ended up doing mountain and then gravel and cross. <laughs> yeah, actually I wanted to ask you, there might be someone listening that is like, gosh, I kind of feel like I am that catty person or sometimes I do get really jealous and it comes out in a bad way. Like what advice do you have for people that oh. notice that feeling? I think every single person, non-gendered at all, every single human has had those feelings, right? Yep. <laughs> we as a species are supposed to be competitive. It is kind of this big race. Even if you take away modern society like that, it's built into us genetically. So like, I think knowing that if you're having those feelings about someone else, then there's someone behind you or in front of you having those feelings about you. Like there's this huge epiphany for me this year, my sister who I love that she is not in the scene, but she knows me really well. And I was like, really, really nervous about Leadville, like the race that I knew that I wanted to try to win and like, or just do well. Like I I think in my mind, I was like, Rose or Katarina are going to (laughs) win. And she was like, well, those women are probably nervous that you're there. And I was like, no, no way. There's no way. And she was like, what? Totally way. (laughs) Like, and it was just this like really big shift. And like, I think you have that in like on the positive end and also the negative. Like if you've ever been jealous of someone or envious or, you know, whatever, like catty towards them because of those things or like what they have or said or whatever, then there's always someone that like has those feelings about you. And it's a really good reminder to just be like, I don't know, at least what I try to do is just remember that like everyone has their like baggage, like everyone does in some way, shape or form. And sometimes it gets really hard because it's like, you're always trying to compare yourself, especially like as an athlete comparison is what we toe the line for, which is kind of messed up. So if I can just like control that, like if that's the only part of my life that I have to like compare myself to others, then I feel like that's when I'm healthiest, but it's really hard to do that because it's a part of our personality type, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Comparison yeah, and, and like, FOMO and <laughs> exacerbated by like when your job is to be a public figure, like a public facing person where you know, you're supposed to share all these things and you're supposed to be on social media and you can't help but consume other people's stuff too. And, and there, uh. there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just creating a relationship around that where it's like, 
oh, like I don't get as many Instagram likes as I used to. What does that mean? Or like, I don't mm. look, I don't look the way I want to look in that picture. Should I use a filter or not? That question <laughs> to answer, or should I edit this photo? You know, there's just so many complexities layered on top of that. Uh, I'm so glad you brought up the social media piece. Cause I feel like that is like a huge component too. I mean, you and I grew up not having to deal with social media when we were kids. Thank goodness. And I don't know like how you and your husband have decided to raise your children. Will they have social media? But we used to be able to like come home. Like I didn't even have social media when I was a collegiate racer. So like when I was on my first pro mountain bike team, like I didn't have to deal with that, like, which is good and bad, you know, like you leave it on the race and then you're kind of like, that was it. You know, if you got interviewed by the media, then I guess it like maybe continues, but if not, like it was just out there on the course. And now it's, there's this whole other race going on and this whole other like transparency in some ways, but also like not (laughs) because like, I don't share everything on my social media. And so I'm sure people think my life looks, you know, a lot better than it actually is. Like, I didn't like post about 17 hours of driving that I had to do that was very much not glamorous. And the like Kit Kat bar and the jalapeno Chex mix that I had for dinner last night. But yeah, I don't know. I guess what I was getting, where I was going with all of that is like the social media component is a huge part of a lot of people's lives and like a lot of kids. And I try to remember, like put a filter in my, my own mind every time I like post something or talk about something that like, how is it being perceived? But then also I limit how much I interact with the apps and the platforms because inevitably it, it totally affects my life, especially as an app, like, especially like before racing was happening this year, like I didn't, when we didn't know if people were going to host races, like I, I was just like seeing like, Oh my God, so-and-so is doing so much training or like so-and-so already raced. And I was just like, what am I supposed to do? And then I was like, my poor coach. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Thanks for dealing with how crazy I must've sounded at the beginning. Always. He's like the quote that he always tells me is comparison is the thief of joy. And it couldn't be more true. Yeah, I can totally relate with that because, well, my situation is a little bit different, but like I had a baby and then I didn't have childcare and then the border was closed. And then, so I couldn't train the amount of hours that I wanted to train because I didn't have the childcare and I couldn't even leave the country to even go to a race. And it's like, now I have to negotiate my sponsorships for next year. And I have to quote, go up to bat against people who have had an entire race season this year because they lived in the States and they were able to do those things, or they had the support that they needed, you know, from their spouse or babysitter Uh, or a family member to do those things. So yeah, it's like super hard to accept, uh, like I'm doing the best I can today. And, but when you see everybody else, it it appears that everybody's doing it so much better than you and it's easier for them. And it's not even necessarily the case, but when you're at a place where you're struggling, you kind of map all of your insecurities onto these social media posts. And you say, well, everybody has it easier. Everybody's doing better than me. But then there's the other side of the coin in social media where it's like, sometimes you can actually be really inspired by looking at somebody else's stuff and not coming from a place of insecurity and deprivation. So yeah, it's just very complex. 
And I can't even imagine being a kid. Yeah. I mean, all the studies that they're coming out with, which like all of us are like, duh, like how social media is like more detrimental for like teenage girls. And like, I feel like all of us are like, yeah, of course. Like I could have done that study. (laughs) Like I could have told you that. Like I am an adult woman and this affects, I mean, both of us, like you have brought a child, you're bringing life into this world and you are still affected by the positives and negatives of social media. What are the posts that you have like actually drawn inspiration from? Like, can you think of one specifically? Um, there's lots of them actually. And I, I think it depends on like how you choose to view some of these things, but, and sometimes it's both at the same time. Like I have to admit that like sometimes when I see, and I'll just bring this right back to what we were talking about, like the camaraderie and community and gravel, like I've been feeling very isolated because I like I've been in Canada by myself. I haven't gotten to ride with girlfriends. I haven't gotten to see anybody. So like when Ugh. I see everybody at these races, like hugging and having the best time ever and, you know, performing, I'm like, oh, like I feel cr- like crap because I wish that I had that. But then at the same time, I can recognize that. But then I can also feel at the exact same time. That's so cool. Like, I can't wait until I have that again. Ugh. And like, that's so amazing for those people. So like I can feel those conflicting emotions simultaneously. Or like other examples, it could be like, right now I'm not riding super technical trails and pushing myself there for obvious reasons. And like, I could look at somebody, you know, absolutely crushing it and feeling bad that I'm not crushing it. But then at the same time, I could say, well, that's waiting for me. And I'm excited that, you know, in the future, like the terrain is here, I could get a coach, like I could do that. So if I feel jealous or insecure, I know it might sound cheesy, but I look for like the inspiration and the silver lining in it without, I can acknowledge, like, I feel like crap right now about it, but there's also like this opportunity And this is like something telling me that I want that in my life so that I can go get that. Like at some point, it just might not be right now. Yeah, I do. That's interesting. I do feel like a lot of the times you learn, you learn more about yourself from like noticing those like kind of low moments of like having some awareness around like, okay, this is clearly like, like, why, why is this like challenging me and like where I'm at? And it's like, oh, like, the reason I had a you know bad feeling or felt bad after looking at this is because I am missing this. And that just means that this, you know, like I think having that awareness, well, one, it takes a, a lot of self-awareness, <laughs> which is really hard. And it's something that like, I am just starting to like, kind of understand what self-awareness actually means. Just for me personally, I do a lot of overriding in my life. You know, like whenever there's like a bad thought, I just am like override moving on. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I think like, I mean, we do that as athletes, right? You're like, ow, it hurts. Okay. Push through. <laughs> yeah. Move, yeah. Move forward. Keep going. Ignore those alarms that are going off. And actually this season during my like off season, I like, I'm not organized enough in my life to have like a defined off season which is also something that I noticed I was really jealous of some other people. Like I would see, like they would post like first day of the off season feeling really good. And I'm like, Oh, jealous that they like have the organization in their life to know when their off season begins, first of all. And then second of all, the fact that they like presumably are enjoying themselves where I feel like I actually really struggled with some off season stuff, like not feeling productive or like when I'm not training Cause this was probably like my biggest race season yet. 
And it is uncomfortable sometimes to like be still and quiet and like notice things that you're thinking and feeling because I notice that I like just am so busy most of the time that I'm actually like really bad at feeling things. Like even yeah, when that's... I'm sick, I'm like, I'm not sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate with that so much. I used to have, well, before I had Bradley, like nine month long race season. So I didn't really take an off season because like I would race and then I would just start training again. Like I just get back right. and just, the off season meant I wasn't racing, but it didn't mean like, oh, now I have this like break really? and I'm going to cross train and go skiing and do all these <laughs> things. And I think that there's fear of taking your foot off the gas sometimes. And yes. like when you're busy all the time and like, we'll talk about your graphic design business too. Like in some ways it's like, it feels really good to have all of these things going on. At the same time, like it can become unhealthy because you never take your foot off the gas for a second to even let yourself realize like, why am I doing this? Or how do I feel? Or what's going on? Yes, man. I wish we could have one of these podcasts every month. <laughs> you could start your own, but we could just talk every month too. I'm not organized <laughs> enough. <laughs> Yeah. And um, you probably don't need another project on your plate. I know. <laughs> Actually, that is something that I'm really trying to like focus on in my life of like, all right, like I have the opportunity to like be a bike racer, do the things that I really, you know, I feel like I medium like racing, but I like training a lot and I like the adventure piece and I like the social piece. So I'm like trying to take advantage of a unique opportunity, even though there's like a lot of really like big downsides, the anxiety and pressure and stress and logistics and missing weddings and <laughs> all of the yeah. things that I know you've been through as well. But I think that that's why like, whenever, I don't know if you felt this in your career, but like whenever I make a new friend in cycling, I feel like we just like zoom forward because like when you have this weird lifestyle of being an athlete or a racer, just like you check all the boxes like really quickly and then you like jump forward. I mean, one of my friends, Danny, who I met like literally like I think pretty, I mean, I, I met her a while ago, but we became like really, really close friends really quickly because I mean, we had all these like things in common from being athletes and that like gave us like a way to like relate and, you know, decompressed together but also like then it just like propelled their other parts of our friendship really quickly I don't know if you you've felt that as well I'm feeling it right now <laughs> I know <laughs> I actually have a question for you along those lines so you're like a very humble empathetic and you're genuine and you're also comfortable well I don't know if you're comfortable but you're appear to be comfortable being vulnerable because like a lot of the things that you're talking about most people would never dare to even admit to themselves have you always been that way? That's a good question. I feel like I've always, so like I grew up playing on like soccer teams since I was like super young and like swim team and track. And like, I've always had strong female friendships and like, you know, strong females in my life. My mom, I think modeled that really well for my sister and I, when we were kids and I don't know if I was always like that though. Like I remember being kind of like a shy, not shy, well, not shy. <laughs> I've always been kind of like extroverted, but I think talking through how I feel 
with people is always like how I problem solve. And so um, you have to be kind of vulnerable to talk to your friends like about those things. So I think I've always done that. But then like recently in the last five-ish years, I push myself to be a little more open because sometimes I feel like if I share my experience, like I've had a lot of people come up to me and say like, Hey, thanks for saying that. Like I feel those same things. And like, not everyone is comfortable with being as like publicly vulnerable, I guess. And so like, it doesn't, it's something that is, it's not easy for me, but it's definitely not as like painfully hard. (laughs) So I feel like it's, it's something I don't mind talking about, especially like mental health and like working with therapists and like, you know, the stuff that goes through my head. I just feel like if I'm like thinking this, like other people must, you know, like I will be the one that asks the stupid question. Cause I'm like, all right, someone like even this weekend, I'm like the pro quote unquote. I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, how long are we racing for? <laughs> because it is kind of different every race. And I was like, everyone kind of laughed. And I was like, I know that's a stupid question. And I'm the only one that probably has it. And then like, three of the little girls in the race because we raced with the juniors were like thanks for asking like we didn't know like either and I was like absolutely like I will be the one that (laughs) asks the dumb stuff or like talks about the hard stuff because I think there's a lot of people out there that are going through the same things so I don't know I don't know if that answers the question yeah you're like a voice for people who may not feel comfortable finding that voice, but have the same questions or feelings. I I think that's going back to social media and even podcasting. Like that's why I think it it can be very powerful because people that are comfortable speaking up about certain things will help other people not feel so alone because we all are humans. Like we've talked about and have a lot of the same emotions. Yeah. And then I think there's another side of it and this is something I've experienced. So I don't know if like I'm just projecting, but like for me, whenever I'm vulnerable telling like uh, how something went for me or something that might be surprising. Like you can want to quit when you're winning a race. Um, (laughs) I think that by being yourself, you almost can feel more accepted. Like you have more self-acceptance because other people are accepting you. And there might be like a therapist might be like, you shouldn't be looking for acceptance from other people. But, but if you can like accept yourself and feel that other people still love you, even if you have these vulnerabilities or challenges or insecurities, and that kind of makes it okay. And it makes it almost better in some ways, I think. Oh my God. That there's so many things that just like popped into my head. I did this thing when I was kind of like a pseudo pro, like signed the like local pro mountain bike team and star studded cast for sure on that team. And I was like one of the older ones. So like the intimidation and like the idea of like proving myself was huge. But then instead of like really going for it, because I felt like if I like committed fully, then if I failed, it would be devastating because it was like everything I had. So I I would do this thing when I was like early twenties, when I was racing where I really wouldn't commit, like I wouldn't train and I would just race and I would like, because I never wanted to like give it everything because <laughs> in case I failed, then I could say like, well, I didn't try that hard and it wasn't actually like who I was. Right. So like, I think being like a hundred percent who you are, well, first of all, it's really hard to know who you are and like how you're doing things and how you're showing up. <laughs> 
yeah, like mm-hmm. I just had an eight hour drive with my best friend. And like, we literally talked about that the whole time, like <laughs> just in different ways, obviously, like, you know, cause I think, I think also like to go back to that, like, sometimes I feel like I have to be two different people in some ways. Like, I mean, I, I'm not, cause I'm always like myself, but what's going on when I'm like nervous for like, I'm a different, I feel like a different personality when I'm like nervous for a race, right. Or like preparing, like when I'm like riding with friends, I can like kind of exhale and like, okay, no, actually this is like how I calibrate. And like, this is who I am. But then like, I'll like rile myself up again and like feel like a different iteration of that. And it feels kind of disingenuous to like, truly like who I am, but it is a feature (laughs) of the pressure. And like, I mean, I imagine people who work, you know, an office job, like getting ready for like a big presentation or an important discussion or meeting with their boss, or I'm sure they experience similar sentiments. (laughs) Oh yeah. I I think that's totally true. And that we have so many different facets of our personality. And in some situations, some of those elements become more heavily weighted than others. And in other situations, some of those elements of the personality can become more weighted. And yeah. it's like, well, which elements are weighted more often than others? And is, is that who you are? It's like Zoolander. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then like, and then you have all the like the people with social media or like the media itself, you know, you feel the press or like the praise after you do really well, but you're like, that's not actually like who I am, I guess. But then it makes you question like, am I only worth anything to this, this scene because I've had some success here? Like what is, what is my worth as a cyclist? And I think that's why I try to like focus on being similar to you, like a holistic, I don't like that, that word, but like like a real person, like not just this, like this stoic athlete archetype that I feel like we look at when we're like all watching the Olympics, but like, they're all truly just, just human beings and they're flawed. We are flawed and (laughs) imperfect. And I don't know, I try to remind myself that we're all just trying to work on those things. Yeah, along those lines, I actually wanted to ask you because you've had a lot of amazing success in your career in the last few years, especially in the gravel scene and in cyclocross. Like, I think you were initially signed to specialize for cyclocross. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> how do you reckon with the pressure and the expectation? And once you start winning races, then people kind of expect you to win more races, and you expect that of yourself, and then it becomes like hard because. Yeah. It's like just a lot of pressure. So how do you, how do you manage that personally? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, well, I think a lot of things I would always like ask my, or like remind myself, like, it's a lot easier to have gotten second in a race and then come back and try to, you know, win. Right. Like, you don't really, like you have all the fight, but no pressure in some ways. But then like, I think about all these like world champions. I mean, you've been a world champion you know, like how, how does it feel? Like I've never like competed in like a, enough of a sanctioned (laughs) thing, although gravel is changing. So we'll see with that, but I've never had like to defend rainbow stripes on my back and like all the prestigious things, but I've had, I feel the same weight on my shoulders, just the weight that I put on there. And I think 
most athletes probably feel a heavier weight from themselves than like, I don't think I have any sponsors that are like, well, if you don't win this, you're not on the team next year. <laughs> you know, it's all in our heads. And so I try to like, oh man, I, it is a battle. I try to actually like find some serenity with that of like, all right, my value as a human being is not the result of one bike race. And if I want to, it could be over after, like I could be done after this race, but ultimately like there will always be another race after this that you get to like try hard and prove yourself to yourself and others. And, you know, there's always like other ways to like challenge yourself. Like very rarely, I think it should it come down to one thing. And that's the piece that I try to remind myself, like, like this year, for example, I know it may seem seem silly and little, but you know, I want to go and race the single speed race at cyclocross nationals. Cause that was kind of like the first race that I like won and I won it last, not last year, but 2019. And I defended my title and this is the second year I'll try to defend my title. And I'll be really nervous, way more nervous for that race than the elite race for sure. <laughs> but like at the same time, there's going to be hundreds more cyclocross national title races that I can like compete in. And, and ultimately, I don't think that that is why I am loved in this world. And that's mm-hmm. what I try to remind myself of. Yeah. So like your race result is not related to how much people love you. And it's so, oof, even when I say that, I'm like, I, I know that. And I believe that, but I still like, I know, like it's hard sometimes. Like if you get second or last or sometimes second is worse, to be honest. And I, I, mm-hmm. I wrote about that after a race in Iceland. And I was like, man, I actually would have liked to either win or like, <laughs> like really lose, you know, like I was so close that it's like so painful, but I really think that you learn a lot more about yourself with those races and those results than you do. Like it's easy to win it like emotionally, I should mm-hmm. say. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've done a lot of reading about like, well, I'm sure that you've heard of Carol Dweck and growth and fixed mindset and all those things, but oh. it's like the way that we, oh, you should check out the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Everybody listening. That was like a huge game changer for me. But it's like about how we reward and, and praise people. And like people with fixed mindsets are, they've always been praised because they're talented or just because they're only rewarded because they did well at something. They're not ever rewarded for their effort. And that someone with a growth mindset believes that they can get better with more effort. Or somebody with a fixed mindset believes I have a set amount of talent and they become afraid to take on challenges because if they don't do well at that thing, then that proves that they're not smart or they're not talented so that they're, they're afraid to fail because of that. And that can, you can have like a growth mindset in certain areas of your life and a fixed mindset in other areas. But a lot of the psychological studies, the psychologist is Carol Dweck out of Stanford and it's like how they praise kids. So some of the examples were they had kids doing puzzles and the kids that were praised based on their effort, like, Hey, you tried really hard at that. Like, instead of just, wow, you got it. Great job. The kids that were rewarded based on like completing the puzzle and just being like, hey, great job. They were afraid to take on harder puzzles moving forward. Whereas the kids who took on these puzzles where they maybe failed at doing the puzzle correctly, but they were praised repeatedly on their effort. They felt more inclined to go try harder things and they were more excited and curious about the improvement aspect instead of just the winning aspect. So I think that compared to sport, like we're always so praised and rewarded if we win a race. Like there's just so much 
you know, and, and that's, that's sport, but there's another side of sport where it's like, it might not need to be about winning. Like success might not necessarily need to only be about winning. It can be about like being proud of your effort and all the things that went into it. And I don't think it's either, or I think there's nuance there, but like being able to appreciate the effort and the work and the improvement, or maybe like you've backslid and then you improved from that backslide. Like there's just so much involved there, but it's always so focused on the podium or the time that you ran or, or raced. Ooh, man. I'm like, adding this book to like <laughs> expedited shipping gonna call my friend who manages the local bookstore like that is so much of what occupies my mind <laughs> yeah and it's, I, it's amazing yeah like I mean that ring that like really hit a chord <laughs> with me for sure because like I feel like I am kind of like trying to like stumble through retraining like how I am defining like what is success in my life because like obviously like you can't ignore the fact that like you get praised for like the things that you do well but like really I mean we've all seen those like cheesy cartoons right with like the tip of the iceberg is like or the podium is at the top and then like the bottom of the iceberg is like all the hard work Mm -hmm. and like and it's the same for everyone nobody sees (laughs) that no one sees and like I mean I'm sure you like watched the Olympics this year and there was like I felt like I could feel from afar the mental health issues that we were seeing as a result of pressure that is put onto these athletes, especially after a year of, I mean, I think COVID for sure affected that. Like we saw Simone stepping down and like prioritizing her mental health. And like, what really that did also is like brought to light the fact that like at the level that we all compete at, everyone is the best, truly that is why it's exciting to watch because it, there's not really anyone that you're like, it's going to be them. I mean, Simone kind of, I guess with gymnastics, but like, she is also still a mortal, like dealing with all these things. And like, I can only imagine like how that feels to be expected to win always. Like, I don't even know. And they're also, they're so young too. Like, yeah, I like, I wonder what like the average, like the average age of Olympians is, you know, just in general, like across all sports, like I would imagine like these swimmers are like 14, like I don't follow track running as much, but like, I imagine they're pretty young as well, but like, that's a lot to have on your shoulder. Like, I mean, what kind of like care are these people getting? Like, do they have therapists? Do they have a good family support system? Do they have good friends? coaches I can't imagine it's so hard (laughs) I feel like we're just like I'm painting like a really like negative picture of sport but this is also why it's like wonderful too because you get to like through the course of like a challenging thing you get to learn a lot about other people and yourself and like the natural world which is why I sign up for it year after year I think Yeah. Like, I don't think that's negative. I think it's real. And there's a lot more that goes into sport than just a physical performance. And that like this podcast is funny. It's listed under several categories, but if you look on like Apple podcasts, it's, it's ranked highly in the mental health uh, podcast category. And you're like an amazing cyclist, but we haven't really talked about cycling specifically (laughs) like the sport. Like we haven't talked about training, like race, like nothing like that. It's all about the mental side. And that's what this podcast focuses on because I think it's so important to know that like, this is normal, like normalizing the mental part of sport and of life yeah. and of 
of anything because it sport is a microcosm for life. And that's why we love it so much because it, it brings out these things in really like, it's like putting a loudspeaker or a microscope on like what life is really like, but you get it really quickly in sport and very, yeah. very strongly. Yeah. You can get like a quick, fast dose of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, like my booster shot of Pfizer that wrecked yes. me. <laughs> yes. Well, we are uh, pretty much out of time here and I want to respect your time. So thank you so much for oh, all of you. the amazing wisdom bombs that you've dropped on people. And I know people listening are going to feel just like, Hey, I'm not alone. And Sarah's awesome. Where can people find you and follow all of your adventures? Oh, I would say I put my eggs into the Instagram basket because that is all my mental capacity has the space for. But yeah, I would say Instagram is a good place. I am Sarah underscore Sturmy, S-T-U-R-M-Y. And I cannot wait to read this book. I am so stoked. Where's your, and what's your graphic, uh, sorry, oh, yeah. what's your graphic um, design business? Just to yeah, plug it. So my talk design about business it. is, well, we're actually kind of like transitioning it. So we're not like taking on new clients, but if you want to go look at some art, it's osocreatives.com. Oso like bear in Spanish. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for the time. And like, it's great to like see you on the screen, but I cannot wait to like get to see you in person, hopefully soon ish. Um, yes, at another year. race someday. <laughs> next year, show I still exist. <laughs> I'm not a digital avatar. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And you'll have two kiddos running around. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, thank you awesome. so, so much. Thanks so much for listening. And to all of you who are supporting the show on Patreon and donating through PayPal. I've been doing the show for four and a half years and at a professional level with a professional audio engineer named Roma, who has been working with me since episode one. And I have an assistant that helps make sure that the show gets uploaded in time and that some of the marketing graphics look good. Podcasting is something that I am really passionate about and it brings so much value, not only to my life, but I'm so grateful that I can be a resource that you guys can come to whenever you're looking for inspiration or information to continue on your journey. You can do that at sonyalooney.com slash podcasts with an S or patreon.com slash the Looney show. Even a couple bucks a month is greatly appreciated. And I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. See you next week.